0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, September 19th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The right to keep and bear arms like other rights doesn't stop at the state line, but just how far does it extend now that states must begin to more fully recognize the rights enshrined in the Second Amendment? Cato Institute Associate Policy Analyst Dave Kopel comments. Years ago, it was popular for people who supported gun control to say, well, we should treat guns like we treat cars. They're dangerous uh, products, potentially, in the wrong hands. But uh, around that time, Jacob Selim pointed out uh, to me in an article, he said, well, if we take that idea seriously, it means that you can take your gun into all 50 states. And if you keep your gun on your property, you don't have to
1: license it or register it in any way. That's exactly right. I think the, uh, the guns as cars... Uh, theory, which I uh, wrote about, some in an article in the University of Pennsylvania Law Review, would probably be the uh, the biggest gun decontrol uh, measure in, in American history, and I think the the car analogy is is of course is apt when in public places, and I think it's it's most legislators legislatures have said that it's reasonable when you're taking a gun. Onto a public place, like walking down the sidewalk, that there can be a, a process for for licensing, and that's what most of the, the states in this country have is a, as with a driver's license, a procedure for law-abiding people with a good record to obtain uh, a permit uh, based on objective
0: criteria. So, what is the case for this? Uh, the federal government uh, setting some
1: some rules here. The Fourteenth Amendment is the basis for that. The 14th Amendment, of course, was enacted to say we need to to change some of the the state-federal balance in our Constitution because the the old balance ended up with a civil war, and the root cause of the civil war was – Violations of the rights of national citizenship. In specific, we're talking about black people who were stripped, in many cases,
0: of their weapons, and abolitionists stripped of their weapons and either executed or, or treated very poorly. Exactly,
1: we're talking about things like the Black Codes, which were enacted right after the Civil War by states such as Mississippi, Alabama, which forbade black people among other things, uh, to possess firearms or said you can only possess a, a, a firearm if you get a special permit, say, from the justice of the peace, and also of, of violations of the rights, similar rights of uh, white Republicans in the South. Uh, being persecuted and unable to express their political opinions. And violations like this had gone on before the Civil War. When I mean, one of the reasons the war happened was abolitionist speech and speakers were so ruthlessly suppressed in the South. And in in fact, one of the, the famous cases which shows that Congress intended in the 14th Amendment to protect the right of interstate travel, which is not something that's written in the Constitution, but which has long been, I think, correctly viewed as part of the structure of our federal republic, a right that is created by the Constitution to travel among the states. Massachusetts sent Attorney Samuel Hoare down to South Carolina in 1844 in order to investigate and ultimately bring a legal challenge against a South Carolina law which said if free black sailors on ships from other states entered a port in South Carolina, those sailors could be imprisoned whipped or even enslaved and they massachusetts and m- much of the rest of the country correctly viewed that as a violation of the privileges and immunities uh, of citizens of the united states which are protected by section four of the 14th uh, by section by article four of the original constitution And we know from the debates in Congress when the 14th Amendment was passed that one of their purposes, as Senator Lyman Trumbull from Illinois explained, was to give Congress power to protect these national citizenship rights, such as the right to travel and the right to bear arms.
0: More broadly, though, uh, privileges or immunities as a part of the 14th Amendment was uh, basically, basically, as you say, national citizenship rights, but all the things that make you a citizen, right?
1: Yes, as a, as a citizen of the United States, you have certain privileges or immu- immunities. The the right of habeas corpus, for example, the, the right of interstate travel, uh, most of the rights guaranteed in, in the Bill of Rights, all those are privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, as the, the creators of the 14th Amendment saw things. And so they not only – they put in Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, which said no state can infringe these, and they added Section 5 – of the Fourteenth Amendment, which says Congress shall have the power to enforce this amendment by appropriate legislation.
0: All right. So, combining rights is uh, something we're able to do. We're combine we're able to combine our various rights in the in the First Amendment and uh, rights in in other amendments together. So, what where does that bring us here in this case?
1: Well, where it leads us is Congress is now considering HR 822, which had uh, a hearing before the U.S. House Subcommittee on Crime a few days ago, where I testified and explain to Congress that this is a very appropriate use of congressional power under Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to say that a concealed handgun carry permit that is issued in one state would be valid in every other state, which also issues concealed handgun carry permits. Uh, and that, in practice, means Illinois and the District of Columbia are basically the only places that have no procedure to issue permits to pe- for people to carry handguns in in public for lawful protection. So my Colorado permit would be valid in, say, California. Now, most states already have objective, fair concealed handgun licensing systems, and they've voluntarily entered into reciprocity agreements with other states. So that they're not really why this legislation is needed. the The need for the legislation is the uh, the rogue states, such as particularly New York, New Jersey, California, which, A, refuse to enter into reciprocity agreements with other states, and B, have no procedure for a non-resident to apply for a permit. And so as a result, a traveler who goes to Buffalo, New York, or San Diego, California, or wherever, is stripped of his right to bear arms. And that's a, a violation of his, of course, of his Second Amendment rights, and also of his right to travel, as the Supreme Court has, I think, correctly Ex- explain the right to travel, it includes, among other things, uh, the right to be treated as, as a welcome visitor to a state rather than as a, uh, uh, an unfriendly alien. So Congress can step in to redress this and say that when you're exercising your constitutional right to travel among the states, the, the host state cannot strip you of the ability to exercise your other constitutional rights, including the right to bear arms. Representative Quigley from Illinois asked me a what I thought was a a, a very appropriate question he, he's a, a strong gun control advocate and he he pointed out that federalism and states rights all this kind of stuff seems to be a, an issue of convenience for many people in Congress that their preference for national power versus states' rights kind of depends on whatever the the substance of the issue is they're talking about and there's there's not a lot of consistent uh, friendship for the, for the 10th Amendment in Congress. And it, in my answer, I, I explained he it, it was exactly right on that. But there, there is a principled way out of this, that you go back and look to the original meaning of the 14th Amendment. The, that amendment was not enacted so that we could have uniform laws across the country on alcohol or tobacco or many, many other social issues. It was enacted with the purpose of protecting the constitutional right to travel and the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. So the places where congressional action is appropriate under Section 5 of the 14th Amendment is to protect those things which were understood as national citizenship rights when the people of the United States added the 14th Amendment to their constitution.
0: Dave Kopel is an Associate Policy Analyst at the Cato Institute and author of this Second Amendment chapter in the Cato Handbook for Policymakers. You can get your copy of the handbook at cato.org.